Hey Warriors, and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I hope you guys have had a great week. Mine's been pretty decent. Um, once again, I got to go to the Bible study again. I really enjoyed the conversation. Pastor Greg is a really good guy, and he's doing a great job leading you know his flock the best that he can. And, and guys, pray for him. His church is starting to grow. And there's a lot of things going on that he's excited about and that you just know it's God just getting involved and i just pray that you guys will just take time to pray for him he's out here in woodway and just pray for him you know god has something for him he's going to put things together in a way that's going to be pretty cool and um I, i'm so grateful to have met him and even the guys i've met at the bible study too anyway so um, my wife and i we went up to hillsborough again yesterday and we really do feel like this is the calling that God is placing in our hearts. We really enjoyed it again and the people again and just wanting to be there. It was hard having to just come all the way back down again when we wished we could be up there. We got to meet a, a young lady there at the, at the coffee shop who just loved that my wife um, had uh, Grogu, if you guys know your Star Wars and Mandalorian, um, she had her Grogu in her bag and she, the, the young lady was so excited about that because she loves Star Wars and it was just really cool. But once again, it's just that feel of calling to kind of go there. So I, you know, I ask you guys to just pray for us as we figure out how we're supposed to impact there in our current situation. If there's a way for us to move out there sooner, which would be an awesome thing to happen. But at the same time, you know, it's still, you know, God might have something here for us to be doing for a time until we can go up there. Either way, you know, pray that things will come together. So today, guys, we are going to be talking about the Sword of the Spirit. It is the last of the armor conversation. And it is also probably one of the cool, cool ones, too, to really talk about. I mean, I've really been enjoying the others that I've been talking through, and like this whole series has been really neat. And today, you know, it's another one of those really neat type of concepts about the spirit, the sword of spirit. And one of the things that always fascinates me about many Christians that I meet is that we are supposed to be defensive. And... That is an interesting concept because they depict defensiveness with Jesus being loving. And so therefore, as a people, we are to be loving. Now, that is a true statement. But sometimes we have to fight for things that we love. Sometimes we have to defend those that cannot. And defending is not just standing there taking the licks. Sometimes defending is speaking out towards or offensive. Because you know in scripture, if you're studying your scripture, you know that we're supposed to be ready to for reproof, we're supposed to be ready to basically defend the faith. Now, defending the faith, you can't do that just by letting them say whatever they want at you and you say nothing. Defending the faith is you know your scripture, you know your truth, you have the Holy Spirit, 
and you understand how you're supposed to respond back. And of course there is techniques to learn how to basically uh, argue or I should say debate is how we're supposed to go. Because <coughs> technically arguing kind of leads into being more angry and confrontational. So you want to learn how to have discussions, how to debate somebody, or just to even defend your point. Because you know, some you, if you guys have ever debated with somebody who's not a Christian, or even someone who may think differently than you, I really do not know why I cough as soon as I start wanting to talk. It's really interesting. Fine the whole time, but we have to do this. It's almost like a t an attack in a lot of ways. Anyway, the idea is that what I've discovered is that you and I, when we debate our faith, there's always like people that are trying to to twist a knot or tie it enough where you can't use certain things. Because I've actually had somebody actually ask me, how am I supposed to debate someone logically if they tell me I can't use scripture? And I turn around and I say, well, then you have to tell them they can't use any of their philosophy quotes that they're using that's based off of someone else you see the idea is <clears throat> our understanding our faith our our structure or who we are is based on our scripture it's based on what jesus taught it is based on disciples teachings it's based on our time in prayer it's based on our time in fellowship with one another it's based on our time serving and loving and caring for one another but also understanding how to engage the culture. Now, I don't think that we are responsible to change the culture because we can't change a person's heart or mind. The Holy Spirit is what he is, what goes into them and, and reaches their heart and their mind. Because I don't know if you ever notice you you ever having a debate with someone who just doesn't seem like they're they're able to hear anything you're saying because they're already ready to just keep uh, keep standing on what they believe as being the only right answer. So the more and more you try to speak out to them, the more and more they just keep throwing back what they want to believe. So what fascinates me about the sort of spirit is that. Spirit is the Holy Spirit, God's word. And if you know your scriptures, you understand that <clears throat> the word itself is alive. If you go to um, John 1, you know it was there before and even after Jesus. You know, you know it was alive and, and it's remaining, it's there. The word has an energy source to it, it's not you know, just words on a book, like God's word has power behind it because it's God's word. I always go back to one of my favorite verses, <clears throat> which is in Hebrews four. And you go all the way down to verse 12. It says for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart and no creature in verse 15 and no creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed in the eyes of him to whom we must give account 
Now, isn't it interesting that it says, we read verse four, says the word of God is living and active. And verse 13, it says, no creature is hidden from who? His height, his sight. What does that tell you? God's word is a he, so it's his words coming out. And so that's fascinating to me because the sword of the spirit is a weapon that's going to what? Cut through or pierce the, the, the piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, your heart, my heart, people's hearts. So if you take this, this is something because I remember, you know, I, for a long time, I got saved when I was nine. I didn't want to be baptized. I was terrified of the idea. I'm terrified in front of standing in front of people. I was super shy. I did not want to do baptism. And I remember when I finally decided it was because I heard a sermon by an evangelist who had come to the church that I was at. And this was back in Colorado. And I was in high school. I remember I just turned <clears throat> 17 because usually the evangelist comes like maybe the end, like beginning of the summer or whatever. And I remember I just turned 17 and I remember sitting there hearing that he, him saying that being baptized is not for the salvation. It's not for us to receive salvation from God. Baptism is an obedience and understanding that we have accepted Christ as our savior in obedience. We obey God because he had asked us to be baptized. And when I realized that this whole time I have been disobeying God, disobedient towards God's command, I realized I needed to be baptized. So I remember in college, I went away one year at a Baptist college up in Wisconsin. You heard me mention it, Maranatha. And I remember going on these, it's called State Street, and we would go up and down giving tracks, talk to people, pray for people. It was really cool. It's probably one of the most memorable moments in my life with that. And I, I was always with one of my girlfriends out there that, you know, she, she and I worked together at, at the school and we just did, you know, went up and down that road. And I remember this guy who said he will not get baptized. We had this amazing, like, it was like a, a good conversation. And he just stared at me for like one moment and just walked away. And I was so heartbroken because I was like, you know, why doesn't he not see? And I remember her sitting next to me on the bus ride back. And she said, you do realize that you were never going to convince him. Only the Holy Spirit was going to be able to convince him. And that drew my mind to understand in this verse like stands out of understanding now that is not by what we do, but is that's going to change a person, but it's what the Holy Spirit's going to do through us that may impact a person, may make them curious, make them go and want to search and understand the scriptures. That's why the word of God has the power. It's not us that has the power to change a heart. When we stop to realize that taking on the sword of the spirit we are basically allowing the spirit to lead us. I know it's such a scary word when we start talking about 
giving up our quote-unquote freedom to a god who's going to lead us but that's the idea you are willing to take on that sword because you understand the power and capability that sword has in your life and how it can change you because remember that sword is not just for the people you are against or reaching out to that sword is for you too because if you think about it from a soldier's perspective, you have that sword. That sword helps you in defense and offensive. And a sword is not a defensive weapon. But for you to have a better understanding of your sword, you gotta sharpen it, you gotta clean it, you gotta maintain it, you gotta shine it, you gotta make sure the hilt is tight and strong, you gotta make sure that it's well balanced. You gotta make sure that you own it, understand it, and are clear about its purposes. Because if you understand weaponry, every sword's not the same. Every sword has a different style that you might have to learn and how to fight. Every sword may have a different type of blade system. The balance may be different. Maybe two-handed, maybe one-handed. And I'm not talking about that we all don't have well, let me phrase it. I don't think we're, I'm not trying to say that we, each one of us has like these amazing different type of weapons, but the idea is that we have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has different techniques that they can hand to us, which we're going to talk about later. So the idea is for you to have familiarity or understanding of how to use that sword, you got to have training. So that sword is not only for you to use out there, but it's for you to understand for yourself. You got to allow it to pierce your heart, your mind, to make things clear. Because if you think about it, let's say you're in battle and you have this, you have something stuck in your helmet. Sometimes you can't get it with your hands. You use the sword to clear out the debris. If you know anything about also war, you get shot by an arrow trying to get that arrow out. You're, you have to push it all the way through because if you try to pull it out, it's going to tear out everything that it's around it and, and hurt even more. And you most likely could die from it. They usually push it through. As long as it's not like in the heart or anything like that, then it's a little different. But they usually push it through. And then how do they cauterize the wound? They warm up a, a knife or the sword and, and they press it against your skin, which will then cauterize the hole. You see, the idea is that the sword has a use to not only just be a weapon to fight with, but a weapon to help you stay alive. To get the debris off of your stuff. To cut down, like say you're stuck in a bunch of thorns, you can't get through. What do you use? Your shield? No, you pull out your sword, start chopping the thorns. They're causing you issue. So in a lot of ways, the, the Sword of Spirit has a capability of fasting yourself to be released of debris and issues in your life, the thorns off of your armor, and allows you to clear a path towards where God wants you to go. Interesting thoughts, I thought. Um, we know that the spirit is indwelled in us. So we know that we are already being led by the spirit within us because Romans 8 and 9 through 17 tells us that. It's clarifying the purpose of the Holy Spirit and how it's changed because of what Christ did for us. 
and then it reveals the carnage in us and it, it helps us to get the sins and the issues out of our life which is why when we do wrong we feel guilty and we know that we should ask for repentance and we should approach Christ and we should say we're sorry and we should uh, have a desire of changing inside of us. So yeah, it may be a weapon that can open up the hearts of others, but it also starts revealing stuff within us. It gives us a form of discernment, the capability, a weapon that allows us to be able to see, because you remember it says, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed in the eyes, to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So there is a reasoning behind the blade's capability of cutting through anything. Because once it also gives us insight to see discernment, we can see that, hey, that person ain't speaking the truth. You know that pastor? He's not He's not using the, the scripture appropriately. He's trying to use it to manipulate me. You know, the social social media and the news and politicians, they're using this wordage that doesn't just doesn't sound right. Why? Holy Spirit, reveal. And a lot of times... The Holy Spirit's going to reveal to us, hey, look at what they're doing. See, this is why you shouldn't have put your invested your money into that stocks. You see, that's why you shouldn't have gone to that school. The school I sent you to for your degree is going to teach you stuff that you really need to know. I know that job was going to offer you seventy, eighty thousand dollars, and this job over here is only going to do sixty. But look. Look how much, much happier you are, the, the peace that you got, the joy that you get because the church I've also brought you to and the people you get to be a part of their lives are because you didn't take that job for the money. You trusted me and did what I asked. You see the car you got? Look, they have a recall on it because I told you not to get that car because you sought me out first. You were allowing me to lead you with the sword. This is how our minds should be transformed, should be changed, because when we allow the Holy Spirit to indwell in us, because we accepted Christ, now we need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in where we're supposed to go. And we gotta allow the sword to be able to give us discernment and direction and purpose, because it is going to lead us through those thorns, the bristles, the, the, the hard defenses of the enemy, fighting against the principalities of the spirit or basically the spirit stuff that go around around us to be able to not be blinded by the lies now we go to first timothy 6 specifically in verse 11 it states but as for you O man of god flee these things pursue righteousness godliness faith love steadfastness and gentleness Because when you're leading that charge with your sword, that's what you're supposed to be pursuing. You're not supposed to be pursuing what the, wor the world is wanting you to pursue. You're supposed to avoid the temptations. You're supposed to not put yourself in situations that allow sin to interfere and affect the way you think, the way you believe, the way you see. As it starts doing that, we've talked about it on the other armors. Let alone we got to understand in our minds that if we don't have the, the idea of chasing after like righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness, we're not fighting for the right things. Verse 12 says, fight the good fight of the faith. 
Take hold of the eternal life in which you were called, about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, baptism is a symbolism of that. You, you, you stood before everyone and said, yes, I am a follower of Christ and I am a believer and this is what I believe. I know that Christ died for me and that I confess all my sins because I am willing. And this is the idea of why baptism is also very important in our faith. Because I am willing to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. I basically took on the armor of God and said, this is my witness. You are my witnesses to my dedication to my king. Now we talk about the idea of chivalry and knights and, and, and how their loyalty to like, you know, we think about the knights of the round table, loyalty to King Arthur. You do understand that you and I, we have given ourselves to the leadership of Christ, that he is our Godhead. He is the head of the church. You should be the head of your home, just like you are the head of your family. I want you guys to think about that. What is keeping you guys from allowing the Holy Spirit to move, break you, open you up, show you and reveal things that need to be taken down by the sword of the Spirit? Why is Jesus not the head of your home? We're going to take a quick break and be right back. Welcome back to the second half of our episode of the Sword of the Spirit. Now we just, you know, we asked, you know, what is keeping you guys from allowing the Holy Spirit to lead your family? What is keeping you from allowing Christ to be the head of your home? Why are you running around with the sword of this world, the sword of the flesh? Me, 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 mine, 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 what I want, what I want, what I want. So you, you, you use that sword of the world to chase after everything that you want. And if anybody is in your way, including God, you're going to swipe your sword at them. Because I don't want anybody telling me that, that this is not right. I don't want anybody telling me that this is not worth my time and my money. No, no, no. It's my life, my choice, my body, my things, my thoughts, my heart. I get to do whatever I want. It's my life here on this earth, and I'm not going to waste it for anybody or anything. That's the way of the world, guys. Now, I just talked about we're supposed to be chasing what is righteous, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. And are we? Are you chasing after that? Because now, as we go to, to Galatians, and you're going to go to chapter 5, verses 16, we're going to start there. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And there's a list. And it's very interesting. Because all those things 
you don't get those in heaven. They are worthless. Those things will not be a part of God. Those are against who he is. They are desires of the flesh. It's sexual immorality. How many of you guys are out there not married, having sex with your girlfriend? Have babies with your girlfriend and still have not been married? How many of you had sex before you just, you got married? Because, hey, we're living with each other. What's the difference? Or how about issues of sexual sins that you may have going in your head, your mind, and when you look at pornography or watch movies and TV shows and makes you feel things? It's all part of that. Idolatry. People, things, items, whatever you can imagine. Hobbies, work, cars, video games, friends, pastors, your favorite Hollywood star, football, soccer, baseball, whatever it may be. Anything could be an idol. And sometimes we don't even realize how much something has become an idol. Sometimes even... I, I think I will say this, even the Bible become an idol to you because you're not chasing after God, you're chasing after the Bible. Because you're forgetting who's speaking. And I'm talking about, I, I've heard, heard too many people spend so much to have knowledge of scripture, but never actually have a relationship with God. Because you remember, even Satan knows the Bible. Even Satan understands how to twist the scriptures. And you got to make sure, and as I was talking to friends yesterday, you got to have the lens of the Bible, not the lens of what you want the Bible to fit. I think we have too many people, too many Christians, who have literally taken the Bible and have shoved it into the lens they want, and then they make sure they cut off pieces of the Bible that they don't want, so that way it fits the theology that they want to have, because of their hurt, pain, anger, sadness, whatever it may be, they want it to be that way because then it justifies everything and anything that has ever happened to them. Moving on. Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness. It's interesting that, the, oh, it's enmity. Sorry, it's not envy twice. Drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? Those things are not allowed. If that, if that is what you think life is all about, I, that the reason why he's saying you're not inherit the kingdom of God because there's a chance that you may not be saved because that was more what you wanted. You didn't believe in Jesus because you, you said, well, I, I, I did the sinner's prayer. I prayed that Jesus would be my savior. Yes, but then you still are chasing after the world, which is if you have the Holy Spirit, if you're saved, you're going to be chasing after the things of God. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be, it's not, it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you're not going to ever sin. The pursuing is supposed to be like what we talked about, right? First Timothy, right? Yep. First Timothy 6, 11. Things that we're supposed to pursue. That's what we're supposed to be pursuing. If we're pursuing this and we're okay with it, you're there's something off. We're not supposed to be chasing and wanting all of this. 
which is what goes to remember i said there's styles of this holy spirit that we gain fruit of the spirits or the fruits of the spirit you probably have learned this when you're a kid you've probably been taught by someone who loves the holy spirit probably you know says these are the fruit of the spirit these are the fruit of the spirit and you probably have it all memorized in your head but do you realize that's kind of like the styles of the sword that you're using Because if you like shows that have sword fighting, you like shows that have, like anime, animes, oh, you know, they always have, you know, when they have dealing with swords and shows, a lot of times there's like, you know, style number two, or it's like the way of the water number three. Like they always like build up this like excitement for like a skill they're about to use. Look at the fruits of the spirit in that perspective. Verse 22, but the fruits of the spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Think of like the fruit of the spirit, almost like sword techniques that you should be living in your everyday life. Like today, I need to be more loving towards so-and-so. I realize I was not. Oh, you know, this is a time where I should be loving towards somebody. Joy. I should be seeking out joy, stop chasing after happiness and things of this world that would think that I think would make me happy. I should be chasing after joy that God has given me. Peace. Peace, like we talked about, has several different perspectives. There is peace where you have unbelievable understanding of the situation, and then there's peace that God will provide. But all this comes from going doing something right it, patience nobody likes to pray for patience and yet is one of the fruits of the spirit are you not a patient person do you get quick to anger because love is kind love is patient which is funny because the next word is kindness are you kind to everyone or do you pick and choose who you want to be kind to? Because God also tells you to love your neighbor. Doesn't mean you have to hang out, be best friends with them. Well, love your neighbor and love your enemies. Doesn't mean you have to be best friends with your neighbor and doesn't mean you have to be best friends with your enemy, but you still should show kindness when it's needed, right? Shouldn't be looking for opportunities for revenge because God will deal with those people in the way that he believes they need to be dealed, dealt with. Because, the, I mean, if the whole goal of Christ is to save the lost, who else is more saved than the person you consider an enemy? I should say who's unsaved. I hope I said that. Who's lost needs it the most. Yes, they hurt you. Yes, they did bad things. Yes, they don't deserve to be a part of your life. But then you should be praying for them. That they could find redemption. It says you found redemption. It says you were once not following the Lord. It says you have failed numerous times. And yet God forgives you. goodness faithfulness now goodness you know you're supposed to be pursuing god 
So therefore, things that are of God, you should be doing which are good, right? Faithfulness, you should be seeking out faithfulness. The easiest thing is to follow fear. I have a friend just found out. She broke her leg. She's having surgery. I don't know if it's already happened. She's scared to death of the surgery part. She's an older woman. And, you know, there is there is fear, you know, when you're older to break a bone because sometimes infections can come in and things can happen. You got to look at it at the bright side of what God is doing. Maybe the people that she needs to be around right now need to see the light of Christ in her. And yes, it's going to be a hard, a hard bunch of work to get back to closer to what she was. But yet the time of meeting with the physical therapists, maybe the doctors, maybe there's an opportunity there. And we're praying for her and we hope that she'll heal quickly because I don't, I don't want her to feel like she can't be nervous about the surgery because yes, that's, I mean, it is scary to go get surgery. But the thing is, what does the enemy do like we've talked about? Tries to get you to only think about the fear and not think about God. I always look at it as like they put a fog of war in front of me and God's like reaching his hand. But we, we but the fog of war is just clouding our eyes so much because we start focusing on the cloud of war and we don't see his hand is right there reaching out. Hey, I'll pull you through and we'll walk together through this. You know, my hope is that speedy recovery comes, but at the same time, I want her to feel peace. I want her to feel Christ, you know, comforting through her, through all this. And then we have self-control. Oh, self-control. How I've met so many people that tell me, I don't know why I can't stop sinning. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I don't know why I can't stop doing this. I can't stop doing that. I don't know why I keep going back to my girlfriend, even though I know things aren't right. I don't know why I have the problem. But and like, it's always this and self-control when it's spoken and said, you need to have self-control. Self-control is a, there's an opportunity. It's called, you have a choice. James talks about temptation. God does not place us in temptation and there's always a way out. And if that means there's a way out of temptation, means that you make the choice of whether you're going to sin or not. And I don't know about you, but there's been times where I've been pissed off, upset, hurt so bad that I didn't care and I did whatever. Right? It doesn't have to be something majorly big, but I don't care about responsibility. And so I'm just going to go and waste my day away. I don't care about my boss, so I'm going to do probably not the best work I could possibly do like I was before because of how they treated me. Like there's ways we get try to, you know, find ways to get revenge, you know, anger out there, hurt people. You know, we say things we may not mean per se, quote unquote, but we did mean it because we want to see someone hurt because we want them to feel our pain. Um, we accuse people of things. We attack people because it, they're not, they're not agreeing with us and not doing the way we want. And so we purposely do things, even if it is passive, because there's many, many people that are very, very passive about how they are aggressive, and that's not right either. And then, of course, against such things, there is no law, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, the thing is, when you learn these sword techniques, then you have a better understanding how to crucify or defeat the flesh when it's coming at you. 
Remember I said the world's blade is the sword of the flesh. Doing what you want, chasing after you want, being how you want, acting the way you want, because you want that. It's a choice that you are taking the sword to go in that direction. See, the thing is, we are to fight the fight that's ahead. We understand, just like we talked about in Ephesians 6, starting at 10, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord, and in strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then verse 12, the vital one, is, For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Understand that when I'm talking about flesh and this flesh are not the same thing, okay? The flesh and blood they're talking about is that we got to understand that sometimes that people do not have good intentions and they do evil things towards us. It's not them that's trying to destroy us. Even though their intentions are, because they are being selfish and they want what they want. But the enemy is there. We can't fight them, but we can fight the enemy. And the enemy is Satan and his followers. It's the, the sin that rages in us trying to make us chase after our fleshal desires. Which is what, if you go back to Galatians 5 down to 24, that's what it's talking about with its passions and desires. See, the sin nature that's in us, the flesh... Its desires are for passions and desires that we want. Not what God wants, but what we want. And so when we wrestle against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, it's a spiritual battle that's going on that has a physical battlefield that we're in. And even though, like what happened to me at my last job, that lady had evil intentions for me and my wife. But there was an evil spirit that was involved in how things were working. And it was using her pride and her issues to destroy. It took me a while to understand it's not her directly causing this issue. But it was a spirit using her ambitions, her desires, her flesh to get what she wanted and she was allowing it now that's where it's her issue she was allowing that spirit to interfere and to create destruction and to cause issues and of course the, my boss doing the same thing but at the same time God was using this opportunity for me to be a light to impact others understand that we are given the sword to not only fight defend and to reveal but it is the Holy Spirit it is he who dwells in us that is guiding everything so every aspect of every part of our armor isn't just a mistake or, or just pieces that don't connect they all connect and intertwine to who we're supposed to be that's why it says in verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand firm. Stand firm. We cannot stand firm if we don't have the full armor of God. 
which means many of us are walking around with pieces of arm god's armor but the armor of the world is just consuming what's left of it and we don't realize it from the shield of pride to the helmet that is basically all about self you know in the mind the heart that has just been corrupted because we've allowed it to be filled with everything from anger hurt pain to suffering to everything we could think of because we believe we deserve more and better than what god can offer so we chase after once again if you think about it we're chasing after what we want when we're starting to chase after things of the world things are like on the list that were are, are in the scriptures we talked about we're pursuing our desires because of things that we've allowed to consume us We need to reevaluate and look at our own lives and make sure that we are putting the whole armor of God. Because even if you're just putting in a couple pieces, the, the rest of the armor is going to be of the world and those couple pieces are going to have no power at all. And when the enemy comes to attack you, you're going to be so easily swayed and moved that you won't even notice it because you don't know God's word. You don't know what it means to pray with him. You don't know what it means to trust him or allow him to lead. You've basically stunted the Holy Spirit's capability of directing you because you're so consumed by what you want. And that's what you chase after. If you guys today want the full armor of God, then start pursuing what you're supposed to be pursuing. Start doing what you're supposed to be doing. Allow Christ to lead your family and you stepping up to lead it. It's all about you making the choice to allow the Holy Spirit that's in you to change you. You can hold back. You can continue to live the way you want. But it's going to be super empty. And it's going to be a wasted life. Today could be the day that you can change your decision right now in this moment and say lord remove the armor of this world give me the armor of you of yours allow me to pursue what i'm supposed to pursue use the techniques i'm supposed to use with your sword and defend your the truth to be willing to walk in the walk the walk with you lord to lead my family to be the example i'm supposed to be start changing my heart allowing it to be to remove all the iniquities all the issues all the trash all the crap that i've been holding in there because i think this is who i am how i'm supposed to be allow me to be cleansed by you O lord cleanse me and renew me and see what happens but it takes you getting off the floor kneeling before well, technically Getting off the floor of the guck that you've been holding on, get cleaned up, kneel before God, and become his knight. Because you have surrendered to him, you have given loyalty to him, and you want to honor him, and you're pursuing what you're pursuing, you're using the sword techniques you're supposed to be using every day, because you've learned that you need to own and obey the truth. You need to be able to spend time with him, pray with him, Pursue him, chase him, want him, desire him in your everyday life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I ask that you move men today 
and even if there's women they're listening to allow them to be changed they allow them to give up all this worldly stuff stop chasing after their flesh and start chasing after the spirit or chasing after you giving up the armor of the world and putting on the full armor of god Holy Spirit, move in their hearts and their minds. Clear out any of the gunk. Remove the lens that they have created so they can see your lens that they're supposed to be looking through. Thank you for all that you do, Lord. I ask that you even move in me to continue to clean me out, to change me, to mold me into the man you need me to be. And as we move in the direction that you want us to go with the church plant, that everything will just come together because you are involved, you are leading, and you are my sword as I move forward. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a blessed week, and I will see you next time. God bless.